Thanks for finding us and tuning into this podcast this week presented by Beef O'Brady's in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizza. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is good. To beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two-one swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the Powers on Sports podcast. I appreciate you finding us. On your podcast platform of choice, I'm your host, Jason, down here in Tampa, Florida. Beautiful, sunny day here as we record the podcast. We've got a good episode for you. We're going to talk to uh, David Moulton. David Moulton is the works on the SEC on CBS uh, college football team, the game, that, the game of the week that you, that you see on every Saturday on CBS. David also works as part of the Monday Night Football team on ESPN with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman as well. So David's a longtime uh, radio host. He hosts the Miller and Moulton Show. does a lot of work on Sirius XM. He's a very well-versed in the college football and NFL worlds. We're going to talk to David about the college football playoff. We're going to talk, talk about the doings of the NFL at this point as we hit December and the stretch run. We're also going to talk Army-Navy with David. He's covering Army-Navy this weekend for CBS. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the pageantry and, uh, of that game and just the uh, importance of that game to both college football and the country. So David Moulton, will, again, will be on. But before we get to David Moulton, I want to remind you this podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's uh, here in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. For all of your uh, sports viewing pleasures, head out to Beefo Brady's, corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue over in the Carrollwood Forest Hills part of Tampa. It's a great place. Awesome uh, setups. Uh, got a nice outdoor deck for days like today when it's so beautiful out. So definitely check out Beefo Brady's. Before we get to Dave, I want to give you a couple of uh, just some thoughts. Winter meetings are going on. World Cup is going on. Less than 20 days till Christmas, so if you haven't started shopping, you better get moving. Less than 20 days until Christmas, so interesting. Uh, get on the horse there. I've actually done a little bit of shopping this week, so it's good. I'm getting the Christmas tree up tonight, uh, so I'm going to get that put up here at the house. So spirit of Christmas is, is, is starting to hit me, and hopefully it hits you too. Um, winter meetings. Aaron Judge, the big fish in the pond, re-ups with the New York Yankees, nine years, $360 million. A lot of speculation that he might have gone to the Giants, who came in with a strong offer, and a late, late offer was made by the San Diego Padres of 10 years, $400 million. But Judge decides to stay with the Yankees. I think it's a good move for Judge. I think you're going to have long-lasting effects of him being a life, life, lifetime Yankee. 
are going to way outweigh that extra one year and $40 million that potentially uh, uh, was being offered by the San Diego Padres. Uh, if you didn't know, Judge grew up in the Bay Area, so San Francisco was a potential option for him as well because he grew up there. But uh, New York is where Aaron Judge needed to be, and it will end up fit, most likely finishing his career as a Yankee. Uh, again, that's just to me. That's just a, a no-brainer place to go. You, the Yankees were always going to be right there on the money with anybody else. It's just a matter if he wanted to stay in New York or not. And I think he's making a good decision. If you saw Judge Monday night, he was in Tampa down here uh, talking to Tom Brady pregame. He was at the Bucks uh, Saints game. Uh, again, the Yankee headquarters are down here. I think he, Judge has a home here in Tampa as well, uh, as well because spring training for the Yankees is here. So. Good move by Aaron Judge, staying with the Yankees, nine years, $360 million. Jacob deGrom heads to Texas, five years, I think it was $185 million. That was a desperate, not desperate, but it was the, the Rangers clearly uh, needed a big big name and a big arm. Uh, obviously, with deGrom, his biggest issue is health and availability. He typically doesn't pitch uh, no, no more than 20 to 25 starts a year. He's had you know ongoing arm issues over the years. Nothing devastatingly bad, but there's always been a constant concern about about a possible arm issue. So it is a risk for Texas, but again, it's probably a risk that's uh, worth taking. If you're the Rangers, you need to be relevant again. You need pitching. Uh, new manager Bruce Bochy comes aboard. I think that'll be a good move for the Rangers, bringing Bochy on. But uh, DeGrom, five-year deal in Texas. Justin Verlander, kind of the, the trickle-down move after that. Goes to the Mets, two years, $86 million, which is crazy to think. Uh, again, Verlander uh, is still an elite pitcher. Uh, had, he's had good years with Houston. Has come back from his Tommy John issue, and so I think that's a really good move for the Mets. Two years, limited uh, exposure on the number of years. And I think you'll still get two more good years out of Verlander. The Japanese star. Uh, there was a big Japanese star that just signed with the Boston Red Sox. They made a big move on Wednesday. They, he, he got posted by his Japanese club, and the Red Sox came in hard with a big offer and made the move and signed the Japanese outfielder. He's going to fill in Xander Bogarts, the Red Sox shortstop, who everybody thought was going to go back to Boston overnight on Wednesday night. He signed a humongous deal to go out to San Diego. So San Diego is uh, loading the wagon, and they are they are going for it here in the next couple of years. Remember, they've they've got Machado, they've got Fernando Tatis, they've got Soto, and now they get Xander Bogarts uh, to to add to that lineup. So they are they are loading the wagon out there in San Diego, trying to go for it here uh, in the next couple of years for sure. Because remember Soto's contract, I think he has one more, maybe two more years left on his deal before he'll be a free agent. <clears throat> but um, they are absolutely going forward out in San Diego, and good for them. See how they uh, they can afford to do that, and obviously they, they need some additional pitching. They remember they got Hader as well, so good for the Padres and going for it um, there at the winter meetings. You'll see some more moves <clears throat> being made uh, as we after the winter meetings here as we get to Christmas. But again, those were the kind of the huge big moves um, that you saw being made in San Diego at the winter meetings. Uh, and again, you'll see a lot more moves here in the next coming weeks as we approach the end of the year. So World Cup qu uh, quarterfinals, we have gotten down to the uh, nitty-gritty of the World Cup. Uh, you've got, we're down to the final eight. 
You have on Friday, Friday's matchups, Brazil-Croatia, Argentina-Netherlands, and on Saturday, England-France and Portugal and Morocco. Again, you got you have basically seven heavyweights plus Morocco. Morocco's kind of the feel-good story uh, out of Africa. Uh, they, they, they ousted Spain in the round of 16 at penalty kicks. Uh, England dominant. France was pretty dominant. Uh, the Netherlands obviously beat the United States, Argentina. And then you got Croatia, Brazil. So, big, some drama with the, with, in, in the quarterfinals. A couple things. One, the, the health of all the big, big players is good. So, all the, all the stars, Neymar, uh, Messi, um, Modric from Croatia. You got the English guys. You got Mbappe from France. You got Ronaldo's health is good. We're going to talk about his playing status here in a minute. But all the stars are healthy, which is a good was a good sign. Neymar for Brazil, like I mentioned. Um, so heavyweights here in the final eight. You got some great matchups. Uh, we'll go through the matchups. We got Brazil Croatia on Friday. I think Brazil will find a way to get it done. Uh, Croatia is a, is a veteran team. Remember, they made it to the World Cup final last last time in 18. Uh, I think Brazil will will be able to two to one kind of game, one to nothing kind of game. Uh, I think Brazil will get through in the second quarterfinal on Friday. You got Argentina and Messi against the Netherlands. Kind of the Netherlands. Uh, they again they ousted the United States. Uh, you got you got Messi. You got some you got some prominent scores for Argentina. I think Argentina will 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 figure out a way to get through as well on Friday and Saturday. You got a huge European matchup: England France. Um, you got Mbappe from from England. Uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, from France. You got the experience of France. You got England with Harry Kane. You got all the young guys in England. Uh, I'm going to go England here. I think England's going to find a way to get it done. Again, 2-1, to one, maybe even like a 3-2 to two kind of game. I could see this being a little more high scoring. I think Harry Kane will be a factor. I like what I see out of England. Give me England. Remember, Raheem Sterling it will be back with the team. He, he left for the round of 16 match. He had a personal matter he had to deal with back in England, but he will be back for the quarterfinal. Um, be interesting to see if he starts or comes off the bench. I would imagine he'll come off the bench. But again, I like the England club. Give me England over France on Saturday. And then Portugal-Morocco on Saturday. All the drama surrounding Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, blasted the head coach for his being substituted in the, uh, in the pool play. The Portuguese, the Portuguese coach says, okay, Cristiano sits his ass down. Doesn't start him in the, quarter, in, in the uh, round of 16 match. The guy who he starts in France. For Ronaldo goes out and scores three goals. Ramos, he ain't coming out of the game. Ramos will start, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think uh, Ronaldo will start in the quarterfinal, but I do think you'll see Ronaldo come off the bench uh, against a upstart Morocco team who hasn't allowed a goal. Uh, they've won a bunch of games in a row here, uh, un unbeaten in the last nine or ten games leading into the World Cup. So this Morocco is a, is the, is your feel good story is your David versus Goliath uh, kind of team. So Morocco, very defensive-oriented, a really good goalkeeper who saved three uh, penalty kicks against Spain. I do think Portugal will get through with the offensive firepower. Uh, they Remember, they put up six goals against Switzerland in the round of 16, so I think they'll, be a, they'll figure out a way. Uh, and don't be surprised if, of all guys, Ronaldo's the guy who gets them over the top. He just seems to have a flair for the dramatics. In these moments when he's an absolute uh, 
team obliterator. I mean, he's such a bad teammate, but his skill on the field is undeniable and will be interesting. So I think Portugal, England, Argentina, and Brazil will advance to the semifinals, which would which would give everybody a classic semifinal, no matter what the matchups are. Um, if we can get those four teams, I think we'll be very happy. Remember, the uh, semifinals, I believe, will be Tuesday, Wednesday next week, and then your final will be next Sunday uh, in Qatar. Remember, all the games are on Fox, Fox and Fox Sports 1, so figure out which channel has which game. But those are your channels. But, again, I think it's a, you, we're setting up for a huge World Cup finish as we lead to the end of the month here in the next 8, 9, 10 days in Qatar. So if you're a soccer fan, this is, this is great drama. You'll have some great games here in the quarterfinals and semifinals in the final. Um, and, you, again, it's good that you have some huge heavyweight teams with some massive world stars. Again, Messi, Neymar, uh, Kane, Mbappe, Cristiano Ronaldo, they're all still alive. So that, that's good for the game and good for the viewership. So, all right, David Moulton coming up here in just a minute or two. We'll give you a couple of uh, uh, a couple of uh, commercials involving our sponsors. Appreciate you finding us on the Powers on Sports podcast. Uh, remember, on Twitter, at Sports on Twitter. You can also go to the uh, YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel, if you want to see the video interviews of David Moulton, as well as my uh, podcast interviews from the College Football, uh, Florida Football Insiders podcast, as well as our No Quarter Given podcast that I do as well, involving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But uh, I think, again, you'll really enjoy David Moulton. He'll give you some good perspective on the playoffs, about Monday Night Football, RV Navy, and some injuries that, that uh, with Lamar Jackson and Garoppolo and such heading down the stretch. So enjoy the podcast. Have a great weekend. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs, corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. This podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza and Hank's Barbecue. For all of your restaurant needs anywhere in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa, 
definitely reach out. Beef O'Brady's Home Slice Pizza on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. And Hank's Barbecue just north on Dale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue on the left. For all of your catering needs, whether it's barbecue, whether it's sports bar food, whether it's pizza, anything you need as the holidays approach, reach out to Beef O'Brady's, Home Slice Pizza, or Hank's Barbecue. Games you want to watch Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday night, college football, NFL, NBA is starting, NHL is starting, college basketball right around the corner. Check out all the TVs, all the great setups, all you need for sports viewing at Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. All right, appreciate you finding us on the podcast. We've got a great guest, a guy we get a couple times a year. It's always tough to navigate. He is, he is a man of the streets oh. this time of the year all over the place. Uh, we're going to welcome back David Moulton. David is the host of the Miller and Moulton radio show, which is a syndicated show that he hosts every day. He's also part of the CBS uh, broadcast team as far as the SEC game of the week on CBS, as well as the Monday night crew with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck on ESPN. So welcome back, David Moulton. I am not hard to get a hold of. Come on now. <laughs> All right. I pick, I, my never... spot, I pick my spots to try to get you because I know you're a very busy man. Well, I mean, that's nice of you, but we're all busy. Come on now. You know, when you call, I say yes. I'm, you do. You I'm, are great. I'm, you know, I, I'm like a late night booty call. I mean, when you call <laughs> me, I say yes. Sounds like you might have had some of those back in the in your younger uh, days. I was going to say, I'm B57 at the end of the month. It's been a long time. Oh, woo. Speaking of booty calls this weekend, how about Utah smacking that booty of USC and thwarting their 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 chances of a uh, playoff berth? And then what a game in Dallas or with the uh, the Big 12 title game, TCU, Kansas State. Let me ask you, you're watching that game on Saturday. When K-State's up 11, yep. mid-fourth, is TCU in? At I that think moment... If uh, right. I call text you right eight minutes to go in the game, it's 28-17 K-State. If I text you and that said is, you have to vote right now as TCU in, what would your vote have been? That's a hell of a question because you're right. They were teetering on getting blown out in that game. One more bad possession, and it's 18, and then there's a major conversation to be had with that committee. Well, I even wonder if it finishes at 11. Yeah. Like, I'm wondering, you know, you're like, hmm, Wow. Right. Two score, two score loss. It was basically a home game. I mean, it was played at Jarrah's place. They're not that far away. Right. There were far more TCU fans there than there were K-State. I mean, I don't I don't know if they're in. I I will say during the week, a consensus was forming that was kind of like, come on, TCU's in. The only question is whether or not right. it's going to be USC or Ohio State. It just seemed as if this was the year, Jason, that yep. people didn't want to put this Alabama team in. They they watched them all year. They saw the two losses, and they thought, you know, Alabama's gotten some breaks along the way. This is yep. not the team in the year to give them a break. And that's the, that's the big debate with that committee. Do you take the best four teams who you think the best four are on paper, or do you think the best four deserving based on what, that's the, you know, the million dollar question with that committee. Well, A, I hate that they put that word in 
I mean, it's fitting that it's a four-letter word because that's really what I think of it. <laughs> and here's why, though. If we're going with the best, the eyeball test, who we think are the four best teams, well, then we're going to put basically four of the same right. six teams in every year. Right. A TCU's never going to get in. You're never going to say TCU is better than Alabama. Right. TCU is better than Ohio State. Right. So to me, when I hear best, I think best season. Who had the better season? To me, Jason, the games have to count, not the recruiting. Right. Not the rosters. The games have to really count. And, and my, deba yes. my debate would be Ohio State or Alabama is the four teams. That to me, that's my debate, not necessarily TCU. It's the Alabama Ohio State debate for me. The two loss Alabama, you lose at the buzzer both times, but opposed to getting blown out in your building by three touchdowns. And I will say a lot of people also had a bad taste in their mouth. If you remember, if the feeling after Michigan did what they did to Ohio State, for days last week, it was, well, Ohio State's not going to get in. We can't put Ohio State in. You can't lose by three touchdowns at home in your biggest game of the year and get a spot in the playoff. We can't reward somebody for backing in, blah, blah, right. blah. Right. But then the minute USC got goat rodeoed Friday night, it's like, oh, damn, we're going to have to come up put with a somebody. <laughs> yeah. Jason, to me, I thought Nick in Alabama handled it all wrong. All wrong. I thought his appearance Saturday night on Fox was a bad one. And it shocked me because Alabama and Nick are such control freaks. And I can't believe that they couldn't like a political party when a political party and they're going to send all their congressmen and women and senators out and they're going to hammer home the same four bullet points. Right. These are our talking points. This right. is our message. I can't believe as USC is getting beat that Alabama Saturday morning didn't have a Zoom meeting and didn't say, Nick, you're going to have to go on a couple shows and we need to come up with talking points because we're back in this. We're going to be in the discussion. Sure. It's just a matter of how much. And to me, their talking points should have been our conference has six top 25 teams, the big 10 and the big 12 combined have six top 25 teams right and the, so yes we have two losses and everyone else you're considering has one well if they were in our conference they'd have at least two losses case in point our third place team in the east division just knocked two teams out of the playoff yeah okay south carolina by yes. beating tennessee knocked tennessee out South Carolina by beating Clemson, not Clemson out. And that's what Nick should have argued. Shouldn't have got into his quarterback getting hurt. Shouldn't have got into point spreads. Right. I, it, they did not have a message. He should have said TCU had an excellent season. Ohio State's obviously always a very good team. Okay, if you want to go with them, you know, there's nothing we can do. But look at our conference Right. And look at our conference's track record. We've won 12 of the last 16 national championships. Right. Look at the first round of the draft. 12 to 16 of the players are going to come from our conference. You do have to acknowledge we are the best conference. Therefore, 
if you're going to have two teams from a conference this year, shouldn't it be from our conference? That should have been his argument because every other argument they lose. Right. Best wins, losses, number of losses, the whole deal, they lose. Right. They should have just argued the big picture. And I still don't think they would have got in, but I think people would have given them a lot more credence. A great point. That's a great point. You were in the building Saturday in Atlanta, LSU, Georgia. Obviously, we all thought, most people thought Georgia would win comfortably. They did end up winning. The point I want to bring about this game, Georgia showed a little vulnerability in the past game. LSU moved the ball pretty, not easily, but pretty consistently in the past game with a quarterback that had a bum ankle, really bum ankle at a few times in that game that he looked, he was laboring big time. Does that give you any concern with Ohio State coming to town in that semifinal game with all the firepower they have for Kirby Smart? Yeah. Yes. This is going back a ways, and sometimes we in the media do this. But one of the reasons why I didn't want the rematch in 2011 between LSU and Alabama, two historically great defenses in LSU-Alabama, the SEC was really down offensively that year. Half the quarterbacks got hurt. It just, a lot of guys had graduated, the Julio Joneses of the world. I mean, it was just not a good year offensively. Right. And if they had put in Oklahoma State instead of Alabama, at least LSU would have had to play a wide open offense, right. a quarterback who could sling it, who would get drafted in the first couple rounds. They didn't have to face that during the year. Now, do I think LSU was bigger, stronger, deeper? Would they have won? I do. But do I think LSU would have, uh, Oklahoma State would have scored four touchdowns? I do. Right. And that's kind of what I'm thinking here. Do I think Georgia's a little deeper, definitely more physical, and more multidimensional? Yes. They also have a first-round draft pick at quarterback and two first-round draft picks at wide receiver. That can be hard to stop. Remember SEC championship game last year. Alabama went in with Bryce Young and two healthy wide receivers, two first-round picks and a third-round pick, and what they do? They beat them. Yeah. And last year's defense for Georgia is better than this year's defense. Right. So, you know, if a football team can have a puncher shot, I mean, Jason, did it catch your attention that Georgia's favored by less than a touchdown? Yeah, right. I mean, Vegas thinks Ohio State's got a puncher's chance. You're right. Talk about Stetson Bennett a little bit. I know you've seen him several times in person the last couple of years. To me, he, he'll he be the difference maker in this Ohio State game. He's just cool and calm at the big moments in, the, in these last couple of years, especially this year. He's got command of that offense. I like what Todd Munkin does as an offensive coordinator. Yes. Scheming up those plays for these tight ends and such and the creativity. Talk about Stetson Bennett and Todd Munkin. I do think Georgia has a coaching edge in this game from head coach and both their coordinators. I do. And I, I do think that that will help them. Also, the experience of going through it last year, you know, all of it. I do think that that favors uh, Georgia. And Georgia can get behind in this game and not freak out because of the way they play. Whereas I wonder if Ohio State gets behind. Oh, boy. Right. You know? So, I mean, Jason, Georgia's playing a style of football that not many teams play anymore. 
I mean, this is like almost a Joe Gibbs offense from the eighties. Okay. Now they don't necessarily have a Riggins, but they got the hogs. They can go to tight end, you know, I mean, their receivers may not be what they were last year, but Jason, those two tight ends are pro tight ends. I mean, Bowers is some combination of Kittle and Kelsey on Saturday. I mean, they, you can't stop Kittle and Kelsey on Sunday and the other guy is getting better every week because he's learning the position. He's six, seven, two sixty at least. (laughs) <laughs> right. And Bowers is 6'4, 230. And their blocking is they destroy the edges when they're both lined up together. Right, right. And then when they split them, it's a seven man offensive line, both of whom could then go out and run a pass pattern. Georgia's just a really tough team to play. They're not as good as last year defensively. Correct. Ohio State needs to get off to a good start and CJ and company. I went back to that SEC title game a year ago. Bryce Young threw it 44 times for over 400 yards. They only ran the ball 26 times. All right. They basically just said, listen, to run the ball on Georgia, you do it just to kill the clock. We're not going to gain a whole lot of yards. All right. Maybe we keep them honest occasionally, you know, try to wear Jalen Carter out a little bit, Uh, but we're going to chuck the rock all over the place. This is our shot. You know, we need to be gunslingers and let's see what we do. And I think they'll be able to make some plays and score some points. I am worried about them defensively. I don't know if Ohio state keeps Georgia under 40. Let's go to the other game, Michigan TCU kind of a, you know, I think it's a good draw for Michigan. I mean, obviously, they do, do you think they intentionally, under any no circumstance, would pit Michigan against Ohio State? You think that was t- totally on purpose? I think they wanted to avoid it. I think if TCU had gotten beat significantly, they would have been in a spot where, boy, how do we leapfrog Alabama over Ohio State right. and create Bama at three and Ohio State at four? They would have had some real explaining to do. Right. Um, Although I believe Jason that both commissioners would have been screaming publicly, <laughs> but privately they would have been giving it the fist bump going where each guaranteed of a team exactly. in the title game. Exactly. But, but neither the fans wouldn't have wanted to see it. They'd rather see sec against big 10. So yeah. as for TCU, they do have for college, their quarterback is a gamer. He is. And, you know, he's one of those guys, he ain't playing on Sundays, okay? But he is a tough damn out on Saturdays. And they have a wide receiver. And I thought if you watch the Big Ten title game, Michigan didn't always look comfortable covering what Purdue was throwing at him. Right. Here's my problem, though. TCU wants to win running the ball, even if it's running the quarterback. It's difficult for me, Jason, to see somebody beating Michigan running the ball. I think maybe they stay in the game running the ball. Right. But they're going to have to ultimately beat them with their quarterback and their one really top wide receiver. That's where they got to make their plays, hopefully in a close game in the final 20 minutes. And maybe they can, and they do have a terrific kicker. They do. Okay. Who's made big kicks under pressure to win games. So by the way, going back to that big 12 title game, 
how was that third down play not reviewed? I know. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, it's kind of a big play here. I mean, we're That's only right. talking about the A or conference championship and B, one of these two teams may play in the natty. I mean, do we maybe want, I mean, I get the whole, we don't want to stop the game and long delay. Yeah, but we got a lot on the line here. Could we right. get this right? Right. Because I got to admit, he looked more in than short. <laughs> and this is kind of a big deal here. <laughs> I mean, think? you know can only possibly play for the national title we might you know there's a line in uh all the president's men in which uh jason robarts playing ben bradley you know says to woodward and bernstein you know we've only got the future of the country and the <laughs> constitution okay and freedom of press um and your careers on the line so i really hope we get this right yeah right you know that's kind of what i felt <laughs> there that i wanted to say whoa 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 can we take at least five take minutes yeah if we right. have to Order a Starbucks. Look at this and get this right. You're right. No, I was super. You're right. You met. That's a great point. That's a great point. All right. Any of these co college football hires surprise you? You obviously got Dion going to Colorado. You got down your neck of the woods, Tom Herman coming to FAU. You got uh, today. You had breaking news: the Louisville coach leaves for Cincinnati. Well, the reason he left is they've been talking about getting rid of him for right. two years. So you right. might as well leave before they come and get you. Exactly. I mean, they've been for two years saying they want Jeff Brom at Purdue to <laughs> yeah. come back to Louisville. So if you're Satterfeld, you wait for the first good offer and you get them out. And now you and now Louisville has a reason to go get Brom because he won a title at and Purdue. Right. And if you're Brom, you're like, well, I ain't playing in the Big Ten title game ever again. I might as well go to the ACC. Right. No, no doubt. A lot easier there. Any of those moves, the Dion move, obviously, were you surprised he took that job as opposed to other offers he probably had? A little bit. The early word that I had gotten about Dion was he, and Colorado, by the way, was in on him immediately. They wanted Dion. There was not a school out there. Even South Florida right. did not want Dion to the level that Colorado did. Okay. So, I mean, so Dion's getting a blank piece of paper and a pen in terms of the recruits he can get in, transfers, the whole deal. I was told that Dion was a little leery about could I, A, get the players that I need, but also, B, are you sure we can win out here? You know, what? And But once Colorado convinced him of that, then obviously it became a Power 5 school against right. South Florida. Right. I thought it would have been. If I was Dion, I got to be honest, I would have taken the South Florida gig because I think I would have come in and I would have crushed it. Yes. I think in two years, he would have pulled what they did at UCF and thrown an undefeated season on the board, made the playoff. And then, quite frankly, he'd have been gone somewhere else. He'd have well, been in the SEC. Here's the deal. And it, also, if Dion has success at Colorado, and by the way, eight and four, nine and three is success at Colorado. Yes. If you look at the last 20 years. I think Dion is setting himself up so that if Mike Norvell, who yes. has turned Florida state around, but Florida state's never, in my opinion, going to give a coach nine, 10 million a year. Correct. They will in the sec in the big 10. So Mike Norvell, like Florida state might be favored to win the ACC next year. If the yep. next two weeks in terms of recruiting and transfer portal go right. the way people think it is. And if Mike Norvell is going to bring Florida state, back he's going to get an offer from a school that you may not think is better but the salary will be 
Correct. And so he's going to have a tough decision to make. Do I stay at Florida State and make six and a half, or do I go somewhere and make nine and a half? Right. And I think, Jason, what Dion may be doing, because Dion couldn't get the Florida State job two years ago, three years ago. I don't even know if he could have gotten it last year. Now you got Florida State people going, listen, we're loving this Mike Norvell thing. And if he ever leaves, we're calling Dion. Yeah. And we're bringing Prime home. That's right. That's that's. And I think he'd come. Oh, he he would be on the first plane plane out of Denver well, as fast as you uh, can go to Tallahassee. Him, he might make him come to then and grovel a little. They bit. would, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, there's some, but but I think he'd be in Tallahassee for sure. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. All right, let's talk a little Army Navy. I know you get the pleasure of doing that game many years with CBS. Talk about the pageantry of that game that maybe the average fan doesn't see on TV of the emotion and just all the coolness that's associated with that game. It is different, obviously, and difficult. You watch something on TV versus seeing it in person. Can the emotion transfer through the screen? But, and I'm guessing most everyone doesn't even know where CBS Sports Network is on their TV system. If you can find CBS Sports Network Saturday, find it by about noon. They do what's called the March On in which both teams take 20 minutes and they march on and they march off and they march on and they march off. And I can tell you, Jason, live, and I've seen it now over 10 times, I tear up every time. Now, you know, my grandfather was in World War II. My dad was in the Army for a while. You know, that might have something to do with it. It's usually played in the Northeast. I grew up there. But I, I tear up during the march on. Every time. And if you don't even watch the game, although I do urge you, the game starts a little after three o'clock. If you could tune in at about 10 to three, we do a four to five minute open to the game, which gets nominated for Emmys every year and has won quite a few times. And that does bring me to tears. I mean, by the time they and Brad and Gary start talking, I am standing next to Gary and I have just tears all down my face. When the men and women of the armed forces talk about what being in it means to them and then what this game means to them. Right. It's tough not to feel. I mean, you know, you thought you were patriotic during the U.S. men's national team, you know, Saturday against the Netherlands you do army Navy and talk to me about your, your level of patriotism. So that's the part, Jason, that if you never get to an army Navy game and the tickets are tough to come by, if you never get, if you can just watch, there is no game that has the pageantry before kickoff of this game. No, you're right. That's it's, it's a, it's a, like I said, if you're a big sports fan, Get it on your bucket list if you can try to make it one time in your life. And, Jason, they are going to move the game around a little bit. Next year it's in Boston. Then it's in D.C. Then it's in Baltimore. You know, this game's almost always in Philadelphia. Right. There for the next handful of years, they're actually going to move it around. So maybe some of you can find, you know, your way to get your hands on some tickets. I don't think the game's ever been in Boston, by the way. I don't think about that. Think about that. The history of this country you know, an army Navy. And I don't think the game's ever been played in Boston and it will be next year. 
That'll be cool. That will be very cool. All right, listen to listen to uh, David Moulton, host of Miller and Moulton on syndicated radio all over the state of Florida and such. David's based out of Fort Myers, Dion country down there. That's where Dion grew up, and obviously he does plenty of work with CBS and ESPN. He's he's actually we're talking to him today from his hotel room in Tampa, leading up to Monday Night Football tonight in Tampa. Let's get to the NFL a little bit. Interesting, interesting Sunday in the National Football League. A lot of things change with a couple of big injuries in Baltimore and San Francisco. Well, at the time we're talking, I don't even know if we know the extent of Lamar's injury. They know he's going to miss some time. They don't think it's season ending. Even with Lamar, Jason, they were having trouble scoring points. Big time. For whatever reason. Now, I do think some of it was explained by Mark Andrews missing three games. Because he's a top three, four tight end in the league also. And he's clearly Lamar's best weapon. And they've had injuries at running back seemingly for the last two years. Wide receiver bad. Right. But, you know, that whole offense is based around Lamar and his skill set. Right. I mean, unlike San Francisco, which it's just awful to lose not just your first, but your second string quarterback and your second stringer is actually taking you to the Super Bowl. Right. But now you're down to the last guy picked in a draft. All right. A guy who has been cut and then they're going to sign probably a guy they had on their practice squad for three weeks ago back. And he's right. been cut by three organizations. I mean, that's going to be their quarterback room for the rest of the year. Right. And they've got a real chance to win a Super Bowl. Now I will throw this out there. Apparently Carolina is going to cut Baker Mayfield. Wow. And so you have to wonder then if you're San Francisco. Yes. I mean, because if you're the Niners also last night, are you in the room going, do we have to call a retired quarterback? Do we have to call Rivers? Do we have to call Breeze? Do we have to call Ryan Fitzpatrick and say, listen, put the Thursday night thing on the sidelines. We got a chance to win a Super Bowl here. You never want to ring. I mean, wow. uh, But now, you know, like I was wondering, could the Niners call up the Colts and say, listen, what are you keeping Nick Foles for? Okay, cut him. We'll do us. We'll make a some bogus trade with you next year. Throw we'll you a fifth you, round pick. Yeah, when we should have given you like five hundred dollars cash. Okay, and we'll make it up to you. But could you cut Nick Foles, please? Yeah. Wow. That okay. Baker Mayfield. But that now with Carolina cutting Baker Mayfield, if you're the Niners, I mean, obviously you're going to stay with Brock Purdy here for the next couple. Of, you know, he knows the system, the whole deal. But I mean, would you rather have Jacob Eason or? Baker Mayfield is your backup quarter. Right. Right. That's a great point. That's that's that would be, and he's capable enough. He ain't great, but he's capable enough to hand off and throw wide receiver screens and be competent. Well, and also if you think about it, what the offense that he excelled in in Cleveland was what? A play action fake yes. off of a dominant running game offense. Yes. What is the Niners offense based off of? Play action fakes off dominant running game. This it would fit Stefanski and Shanahan's offenses have the same DNA. So I do think it would be a good fit for Baker. No doubt. So the the, the narratives of the NFC versus the AFC. To me, the NFC is top heavy. You got Philly, San Francisco, and Dallas are kind of the three clear better teams in that conference where the AFC you have some depth. You got you got five or six teams that you could probably make an argument could make a deep run. Is that how you see both conferences? 
what I do find fascinating, and I don't necessarily agree with you, is what little regard we have for a 10-2 team. The Minnesota Vikings are 10-2. and two, Right. And people talk about them like they're 5-7. and seven. <laughs> I mean, it is remarkable what little regard we have for the Vikings. Now, they're definitely taking advantage of a very weak division this year. They won a lot of close games. You know, like yesterday, the Jets were in the red zone six times. The Vikings were in the red zone three. Vikings went three for three. The Jets went one for six. Vikings win. Right. But I don't know what to tell you, Jason. Maybe this is their year. You know, they've lost a lot of close games the last two years under Mike Zimmer. Maybe this is the year where they just rope a dope, but they win close games. You know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals have figured out how to do that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Like, I don't think there's more than four teams that can go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And I think fours being generous with the Vikings. I do think, you know, like right now, the Bengals are the five seed in right. the AFC. And the Dolphins are the six. And let's be honest, if the Dolphins don't have to play in Orchard Park, the Dolphins can probably go toe-to-toe with just about everybody, including the Chiefs. Yes. I think the Dolphins could score with Kansas City. So as bad, now, as, bad my, as they played yesterday, they had the ball down 23, 17 with a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Correct. And they were didn't, and they played without both their offensive tackles yes. against the Niners pass rush. Right. Exactly. And then the dolphins are not healthy right now. They're missing two corners They're missing two tackles. You know, they, they have a lot of injuries right now. They have a very big game coming up Sunday against the chargers. Cause unfortunately for the dolphins, they're at Buffalo the following week on a short week, I think. And so all of a sudden eight and four could be eight and six real quickly. It's the same thing, by the way. And I know, you know, when this airs, this game will have already taken place, but you know, the bucks, if yep. they lose tonight, they have the Niners and the Bengals on the back end, You're right? You're they right. They could be five and nine in a heartbeat. I mean, and if you look at the schedule game, like the lions and the Raiders, you look at their schedules and you go, you know, <laughs> they've probably lost one too many games to make yep. the playoffs. Yep. But they're not as far out of it as you think. If you right. start looking at the schedule. No, no, no doubt about it. Is Philly, is Philly your favorite still in the NFC? Their balance on offense. And then the reinforcements on defense with Sue and Linvale Joseph. I think that's really going to help them moving forward. How, how do you see Philly and Dallas? Well, I definitely love the Sue and Linville Joseph signings. Even the first game, Jason, that they played against the Colts, when those two were on the field, the Colts rushed with Jonathan Taylor for under three yards of carry. When those right. two were off the field, the Colts rushed for six yards of carry. Right. So, you know, the one weakness that they have really on the team, they help solidify. Here's my question, Jason. So far during the regular season, the Cowboys, up until the fourth quarter last night, the Cowboys looked like a better team on the road than at home. They <laughs> played much more structured, solidly on the road. They didn't try to be so fancy. Well, Dallas's road, barring them catching the Eagles, they're literally going to have to do what the Bucs did two years ago. They're going to have to win nothing but road games. Dallas hasn't won on the road in the playoffs since Aikman and the Cowboys went to Candlestick and beat the Niners. 30 years ago. <laughs> and if you look at Dax road games in his young career, not great. Play all that. Well, lost them all. You know, Tony Romo took, never won on the road, close games, 
you know, might've got hosed by officials in green Bay, right. but never, you know, so to me, it's like, can Dallas win on the road in January? Dallas hasn't won on the road in January, literally in 30 years. <laughs> Is OBJ going to get signed by Dallas? Is that a done deal? Well, they have the most money. What I'm curious about, I think the only chance, I think it's Dallas or the Giants. Dallas, because they're going to, you know, recruit them better and sweet talk right. them more than anybody else. And they have the most money to offer this year. But I'm wondering if the Giants are willing to go multiple years because their wide receiving core is arguably the worst in the league. God, so if pitiful. you were the, if you were the GM of the Giants, not only is the OBJ going to be able to help you next year, you ain't going to have four receivers better than him in 2024 either, most likely. So I think the Giants ace in the hole is they can offer him a three-year deal. Prorated for this year, yeah, which would be very little money because they've got about 18 bucks to spend. But they can offer him yep. two years afterwards, and they can guarantee a good chunk of it because they got a lot of cap room coming up. Right, right. I think that's the ace in the Giants' hole. But what I think is if you're Odell, do you go, I'll chase a ring in Buffalo or Dallas, and then I'll sign with the Giants in the offseason? Do I sign like a two-month contract and then go be a free agent again? And the, and the thing is, we don't. We, we, he's refused to work out for anybody, so we don't even know if he's going to play. Is it going to be week 16, week 17, week 18? There's Correct. been no definitive timetable. And remember, he tore the ACL in the Super Bowl, which yeah. was the first week of February. So it's only 10 months removed from his second yeah. ACL tear. He has allowed every team doctor, however, to give him a physical and all the medicals on his knee and what have you. But it is common, Jason. Very few guys will work out. They, they just say, no, you want to sign me, sign me. All right, last question. Legendary Art Monk did a workout for the Jets at the end of his career. I do Art remember I remember Monk hearing that. I do remember did that. a workout. <laughs> Arthur Monk, Arthur. All right. A Hall of Famer did a workout and most everybody else is like, "No, sign me." <laughs> All right, last thing I'll get you out of here. Talk about the transition you've gone from the the Saturday Sunday schedule or the uh, of CBS and Fox to now sat, Saturday Monday night. Talk, have you enjoyed that extra day, that little bit of extra time? Talk about that difference in travel and all the different things that go into doing those two jobs. Well, and also Fox had Thursday nights for the last four years. Uh, right. So it was Thursday, right. Saturday, Sunday. I mean, it was five days on the road. You know, it. this is obviously much better. Travel Friday, game Saturday, travel Sunday, game Monday, travel home. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Jason, come on. Can somebody like me complain? I mean, I've got the best seats in the house for arguably the best college games and for usually pretty good. You know, our schedule this year kind of some teams that were supposed to be good kind of went south. So our schedule right. went with it. But I mean, Jason, you know, I've <laughs> told this to you before. This beats working. <laughs> are you guys doing the are you doing the Sun Bowl this year? Are you guys still doing the Sun Bowl? It's CBS's only bowl game. It's that's December. hard to believe. The I, Sun well, Bowl is CBS's only bowl game. That really is. They had the Gator Bowl and lost it like 10, 12 years ago. So they, and they had a shot at the Cotton Bowl and lost the rights to that. But, you know, the four letter networks gobbled up damn near every bowl game. Jason, something that is interesting is I think 
when they go to this 12-team playoff that ESPN will own the rights to it because the contract they had with the committee went through the 25 season. Okay. But the talk in the college football world is they're going to try to open up the 12-team playoff to all the networks and create an NFL-style playoff where, say, you have four quarterfinals. Yeah. Well, you could have four games on four different networks, just like we're used to in the NFL. They figure they'll get drive more money. Drive up the price there. a little bit. Drive totally. up the price. Totally. And you'll find out that networks will probably pay $150 million for a standalone quarterfinal game. Right. Where CBS right now is paying $55 million for the entire season for the SEC. And speaking of that, this is the last year of the contract. You own a Big Ten network, correct? Big Ten games next week, next year, CBS? It's an interesting year next year for CBS because it's the first year of their Big Ten deal, but it's actually their last year of their SEC deal. So what you're going to have is at 3.30 most every Saturday, you're going to have an SEC game. Okay. There's only a couple weeks a year where CBS actually can't air an SEC game, like the first two weeks of the year. So then you'll get Big Ten games, and we might do maybe one primetime game the Friday after Thanksgiving. So what you'll probably see is about a half a dozen Big Ten games on CBS next year and then the full SEC schedule. But, yeah, we've got one year left of SEC games. The SEC has been on CBS for 30 years. You're right. I remember. Yep, Vern. Well, before that, people forget Jim Nance. He he actually got his football play-by-play chops if you will doing the sec you know the peyton manning and the spurrier gator games a lot of them were with jim nance that's right no i do and you're right more i think you're right you are right well david moulton great work man keep it up awesome job with with uh nestler and, and gary on saturdays and then troy and joe uh mondays and tonight you'll it's kind of a home game is almost as home as you can get tampa to fort myers so Travel won't be too bad Tuesday, but keep up the great work. You guys do an awesome job, man, and uh, appreciate the time. Anytime, Jason. And if we don't talk in the next few weeks, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everybody. And don't be mentioning the booty calls to the missus. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to make sure, and I know you want, you know, I will retweet this and get it out there, but I will make sure she doesn't know and make sure she doesn't watch this <laughs> unless, unless she wants to be the booty call. There you okay. go. So, you know, maybe I'll, you know, it's what Saturday night's for Jason Saturday <laughs> night, right. otherwise known as make it happen night in the married world. So, you know, that's right. Have a great holiday, David, and uh, have a great broadcast tonight. All right, Jason, be good. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.